Welcome, everybody, to episode 125, unbelievable, of the Mesobilis 2 podcast, which features myself, Ben, who is a bit jet-lagged. And David. And uh, where are you coming back from? I'm coming back from, from the home country of both myself and... Our favorite TV show, which yeah. is, of course, Space 1999. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Doctor Who. Was Space 1999, was that, yeah. is that a Let's thing or is that the Jerry Anderson thing? That's the Jerry Anderson thing. All right. So that's with... Um, Moonbase uh, was... Uh, yeah, Moonbase Alpha. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. so anyway, the Moonbase on Space 1999 is Moonbase Alpha. Mm-hmm. As ably commanded by Martin Landau and Barbara Bain. Yeah were the two joint commanders, husband and wife commanders of Moonbase Alpha, oh. which was, uh, which is half of the moon. So half of the moon exploded mm-hmm. because there was a nuclear accident. Oops. Thus, thus, oops, exactly. So then the rest of the moon goes flying to space at great speed mm-hmm. um, with Moonbase Alpha on it. And then they have lots of adventures as they fly through space. Well, that's, that's a sustainable show. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it starts off as being like, well, hang on. How could they accelerate the moon to such a huge speed that it leaves the solar system in about 10 minutes by just a nuclear explosion? Anyway, yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's a good show, though. I, I, it was, it's, I think it was programmed from time to time opposite Doctor Who, so I didn't watch a huge amount of it. But mm-hmm. I love the, uh, uh, there's some great die-cast dinky toys from it, which I was very, very fond of in the yeah. mid-70s. Yeah. Anyway. Do anything Who-related when you were away um, or I try, on your holiday? I tried to go to B&M. Yeah. To buy the new action figures, but they weren't there. Sold out. No, they hadn't arrived yet. Oh, bugger. So they arrived this weekend. <laughs> oh, so well. I went all the way to B&M, and then I just was confined to with a bunch of Jodies and some things <laughs> I didn't really want, like mm-hmm. a Barbie Barbie Jodies. Oh, well, um, those those are going to be uh, collector's items. Yeah, maybe I should. Oh, I was so disappointed and irritated that I, I was like very anti my favorite TV show at that point, mm. especially in its action figure form. So I thought, I've just got so much stuff. I don't want a Barbie Jody. Um, <laughs> Do they take rain checks? Is rain checks a British thing? Uh, no. What is rain checks? Ooh. Oh, so a rain check back in the days of retail, and I, I haven't gotten a rain check for a long time, is like yeah. at Target or Kmart. If they had run out of something, they would give you a rain check for that price. Or if they hadn't got it in yet, that then you could then uh, reserve or turn in for that item that they were out of wow that is literally the most un-british thing i've ever heard <laughs> there's no way a store in britain would do that no way oh. um no i mean they hadn't even delivered them so and mm-hmm. i guess you know this the evil staff at at b&m in um in Swindon. cheltenham were like yeah. um uh, you know, I mean, they want to cream off the good ones anyway. And when when, it, when the whole stuff arrives, <laughs> it's all, all headed to eBay. Yes, uh, just slam it through. Which is, let's face it, that's what I was going to do too. Um, but still, <laughs> I'm not evil, so right. no. I was. I'm very keen. I'm very keen to get the Harry Sullivan. Basically, mm-hmm. I like the Harry Sullivan. The um, uh, the big finish ones are cool. They are spectacularly ugly, in my opinion. So I don't mm-hmm. really want those. But thought, mm-hmm. well, you know, I could. I could flip those in the United States. So anyway, right. I might try and get my uh, friends and relations. Hello, Finn, if you're listening, <laughs> to go to B&M and pick those up for me. Mm-hmm. But You have to talk to your sister. That's a pretty big ask. Yeah, she's been doing a lot of stuff, stuff yeah. for me recently. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, so yeah, that's the only Hewish thing I did. Ah, well, and then we you have to come back to the States to indulge in Doctor Who then. Yeah, though I did. I picked up the... 
Doctor Who magazine special target target mm. guide, mm -hmm. um, which How's that? was very, very good, actually. Yeah, highly recommend that. It was a really good read. Mm -hmm. Some great interviews with uh, Jeff Cummings and Chris Achilleos and uh, Andrew Skilleter. Um, key target artists. Mm -hmm. um, nice interview with the artist of the interior uh, drawings for the target book. So yeah, that was it. Would, that was that's a that's a, I, that's what I'm recommending people pick that up. Actually, it's better. Um, it's no, it wouldn't. Well, I, far bit from me to say how people should consume media nowadays, <laughs> but um, I think it's better as a physical object. Mm -hmm. How about how about you? Would, would you do anything hooish while I was away? I have been editing podcasts while you've been away. <laughs> I know. That's what, exactly. Uh, yeah. Specifically Whoish, I have been uh, tying into our episode today. I have been trying to dip into the lesser regarded John Pertwee stories over the past oh, few weeks. Interesting. And uh, I think we discussed this briefly before you had left on holiday. But the, the last time Doctor Who magazine did the mighty poll of all the Who stories ranked by their readership, I think was for the 50th anniversary mm -hmm. year. And that's for stories 1 through 241. So that's an, an earthly child through, I think, Time of the Doctor. So this is before... Capaldi graced the screen, and uh, eight or nine Pertwee stories were in the lower half of the readership's rankings, and I, I'll, right. I'll read them off. So uh, at 123rd was... 123rd is Planet of the Daleks. Yes. Unbelievable that's low rank. That's an excellent story. And then beating out... Frontier in Space was generally considered, I thought, higher like at 127. Story. Yes. Ogrons, like mm -hmm. people in cool uniforms. And 137 was Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Well, that's nonsense because that's a superb story. 139, Claws of Axos. Unbelievable. 148, Death of the Daleks. No. 199, Colony in Space. Ridiculous. 213, The Mutants. Ta. <laughs> 216, Monster of Peladon. Which is a fantastic story in everyone's book. And then sadly, and this is a, this is a crime against humanity right here. <laughs> a crime against humanity. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say it was a crime against actual humanity. No, I, I humanity. I would, I would have Fandom. to have to have called, called you on that one. <laughs> At 222, so near the very bottom, is the Time Monster. That's just literal bullshit. I, 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 I can't criminal. believe. Criminal. 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 These people should be taken out and shot. <laughs> have you ever responded to the mighty Doctor Who polls as a reader? Uh, have Sent I, in your postcard? I, or I think I did. I mean, when was the last giant one? Twenty fourteen. Yeah, I think I might have done that one. Mm -hmm. okay. um, I'm pretty sure I did whatever they were doing to do with it being fifty years old or some such. Yeah. Nonsense. So that was the last time to do it, and I I doubt that they're going to do it again because the new new regime, especially under uh, Chibnall's guidance, does not does seem not. to want to rank. Anything. doesn't like to rank things no mm, and i wonder you know, why and it, that is <laughs> well also um, we're getting further further away from being able to compare apples with apples it's mm -hmm. now like apples with grapes and apples with you know yeah pineapples and apples with rainbow colored jody things yeah so you know yeah, yeah there there isn't a pertwee barbie doll for example oh, i know although i think aren't they doing aren't those big chief people going to do a pertwee i read somewhere mm, you know big chief do those like really kind of accurate dolls if they're clara or was it rose one of those was just uh very creepy i think it was the rose one 
the Billy yeah. Piper Big Chief statuette. Ew. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the cool things about John Pertwee, actually. He doesn't dollify very easily. <laughs> um, that is true. Yeah, he always looks kind of creepy, which is great, mm-hmm. which means he's awesome. You, you know, you, you need a you need a face that can gurn, and exa- plastic f- does not do that. A very flexible face, which mm-hmm. does not very doesn't work very well still, in my opinion. Plus, the hair very very difficult to do unless you go straight in with the, uh, you know, season blah, the seven, first season, seven. season seven. At least yeah. you go. You go straight in with season seven where he's got flat hair, mm-hmm. but like you know, later bouffant hair, very right. very difficult to render uh, either in solid plastic or in you know tenderly, tenderly Barbie hair. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So back to this uh, this bottom ranking of Pertwee, Foolish. there's some uh, interesting trends here, I think, because Mac Hulk has three of these stories. Frontier, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, and Colony in Space. Yeah. Um, not surprising, Terry Nation has two of the lesser regarded stories because both Planet of the Daleks and Death of the Daleks generally, I think, are seen as to be retreads of uh, the original Dalek story. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the other thing I was noticing about these is that apart from apart from two of them, Claws of Axos and Death of the Daleks, they're mm-hmm. all long stories. Yes, and they might outstay their welcome just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and there's a there's an episode or two of outstaying I think in each of those mm-hmm. each of those longer ones. Mm-hmm. But, you know, t- to be honest, we all like Doctor Who, right? <laughs> so why should there be such thing as a too an episode long. of Doctor Who which is too long? Or too padded? Or too padded. So this just more Doctor Who. Come on. It's it's running around. The doctor's there. He's being cool. You're spending um, time with the characters you spending love. Spending time with the characters <laughs> you love. It's either Joe Grant or Sarah Jane Smith. They're mm-hmm. both awesome. I I don't have a lot of time for people. Like, it's all padded. Mm-hmm. Well, like, how short do you want it to be? Because <laughs> we can cut these down. Because yeah, this could, <laughs> yeah, we can we can cut this down for you if you want. This and, could be like ten minutes. Really, mm-hmm. honestly. You know, the the show has grown to 50-minute episodes or 55-minute episodes in uh, Series 11. But yeah. uh, uh, RTE started out with 45 minutes at a push for yeah. Series 1. And yeah. th- there was complaints then that there wasn't enough plot in those stories. Yeah, and I think I think actually, well, I think, you know, with the Moffat era, the, the, the shows were too short with, and there was too much plot. I mean, mm-hmm. they could have done with being twice as long. And I, I mean, I, you know, maybe this is my age, but I like to spend a lot of time watching this show. When if I decide to watch Doctor Who, I want to watch Doctor Who. I don't want to, like, get it over with quickly so I can right. get on with my day. Um, <laughs> you know, watching Doctor Who is my day, so I don't want to, I don't want to have to, you know... <laughs> You know, yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would take issue with the whole padding yeah. complaint because I don't really find that to be convincing to me. Yeah. So seven, seven of the nine are six parters. And, seven of nine. Yeah. Uh, so we have three by Hulk, two by Nation, and then two by Bob Baker and Dave Martin. That would be Claws of Access and the Mutants. And then we have Robert Sloman and Barry Letts, uh, the season finale, which uh, which would be one, then the Time Monster. And Time then Monster, kind of yeah. the Oddman alt is Brian Hale's last story, uh, the return to Peladon in the Monster of Peladon. Monster of Peladon, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, that's the one I had the hardest time getting through on this, this little uh, mini marathon of uh, lesser regarded Pertwee stories. Why, why... Uh, 
need to say I've just returned from England, so I have not been watching any of these. <laughs> um, You've been living a life rather than watching television. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been in the land of Doctor Who. Everything is Doctor Whoish over in Britain. <laughs> um, what? Why did you find the Monster Peloton hard to struggle through? Uh, it is a bit padded, isn't it? To be honest, that one. <laughs> I <laughs> I think it's mainly due to execution perhaps that i couldn't get i didn't find the characters that uh relatable who's the, who's the director uh it is uh lenny main of oh, that lenny one. Main. the yeah. mysterious lenny main yes yeah. all right who's generally he's generally seen to be a good thing nowadays isn't he so um well, I, I think on what uh, the latest Pertwee Blu-ray collection, there's absolutely, a, yeah. Search for Lenny Main. And, the search for Lenny Main, yeah, exactly. And, but, I mean, he he did the earlier Peladon story. Uh, he did the Three Doctors, another Bob Back to Peladon, a uh, Bob Baker one, and uh, Dave Martin, and yeah. uh, Hand of Fear. Well, so I have to say, when I mean the the Curse of Peladon, I think I find to be too short. Yeah. When I watch it, it um, could, mainly it, because I didn't. I mean, this is just kind of my kind of race memory of. Um, uh, I didn't see Curse of Peladon when it first was broadcast, mm-hmm. um, but I did see the Monster of Peladon, and I remember absolutely adoring it because, again, it was really long. There were plenty of monsters, and it was excellent. So now, when I go back and watch Curse, it's like, oh, why isn't there two more episodes of this? But you know, I mean, there's plenty of monsters. There's a lot of monsters. I think it's the the the, the Peladonians, the Queen, for example, Th- Thalira, who's played by Nina Thomas. Very, very nice to look at, but she's pretty much a one-note actress. I just don't see the young queen uh, chafing up against a paternalistic society where she's supposed to be the power, but really her chancellor is running the show or that. And I'm just and and the badger guys, the badger haircut guys, yeah, the miners, that they yeah. didn't really do it for me. I mean, Donald Donald G is really good as uh, Eckersley I think as the as the he's ultimate baddie but excellent as Eckersley you know, that really kind of that leathery mm-hmm. outfit he wears he's cool I think the relationship in in Curse between Joe and um Thingy Troughton as the king it was like that was really nicely done and I think maybe they're trying to kind of reproduce that relationship um with the with the queen with queen mm-hmm. of Peladon and Sarah Jane but it, but but not obviously not in a kind of romantic way but with the whole kind of like feminism thing and mm. you know if there's anything that doctor who doesn't do well in the 1970s <laughs> they don't they don't do feminism very well either when they're criticizing it or when they're supporting it they right. don't do it very well basically yeah. and that i think is 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 true i think that comes from the writers and uh, script editor and possibly even barry lutz the producer who just all men of a certain didn't age yeah. quite get it didn't quite get it. No. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I quite get it either. You know, I'm, I'm, it's it's not my job. But um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, they it's it's it's. I mean, which is obviously you know one of the main beefs I think people have with the Time Monster. Though I actually find it hilarious all yeah. that kind of good ship women's lib nonsense. Yeah, I think the Time Monster is more comedic in ways than the Monster Peladon. I think Monster Peladon is played pretty straight. Straight, yeah, and. I think ultimately the reason why this doesn't agree with me very well is I don't find Elizabeth Sladen's portrayal of Sarah Jane in this episode particularly endearing. I she comes across kind of a little bit bratty. I think this is might be the the feisty Sarah Jane that some some fans of season 11 like, but I yeah. think she's a much 
nicer, more relatable character in the invasion of the dinosaurs than in here. Yeah, and I think it's I think maybe it's Brian Hales, you know, he's been told to like she's a crusading feminist, women's lib, hmm. you know, investigative journalist, and he's trying to write that and kind of failing miserably, whereas other folks who've been kind of given that brief and obviously that falls off basically after robot that just kind of sort of melts away. It soon seems to be properly leave Earth. It's like, well forget it, she's not an investigative mm-hmm. journalist anymore. And um other writers do a better job with that. Um, here, yeah, I agree. She is. She's a bit shouty. Not shouty. She's a bit. Um, uh, it's just not very good, basically. She comes across as spoiled and uh, not, just not reacting correctly. I guess not. Not a, not a sophisticated reaction. More of a cartoonish reaction or overreaction to indignities and stuff. And we don't have that subtlety of performance that Slayton brings, where she. Yeah. Where she, in later in later stories, she really takes a a, a weak script or uh, not a not a lot to work with, and makes it very human and very uh, heartfelt. And here, I think she, it's almost as if she she is falling into the number trap of okay, this is the character description. Sarah's kind of this ardent feminist or journalist, and she's uh, not going to brook anything from anyone and she's gonna straighten the queen out and it doesn't quite work very well i think yeah it's very studio bound as well mm-hmm. uh, you know more than uh you know they're obviously they haven't gone to peladon to film it because <laughs> peladon is an, another planet yeah um but you know it's it's and there's a lot of the caves are really kind of unconvincing and mm-hmm the palace and the mind control there's a lot of sets mm-hmm. um neither of which work very well because of course you know this is the mid 70s and no one's got any money right um and actually i i far as i remember this this one was we had power cut problems with this one i think i missed at least one or two episodes because there were power cuts very timely with, the <laughs> with the miners being on strike and all that uh so that's you know that that's an issue so is this one that you have much recall? I mean, you probably came, you probably saw this on screening. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, I, I loved it. I, I, I'm still a huge, huge Alpha Centauri fan. I cannot have enough Alpha Centauri. And you know, when, when, when they came back, note, I'm using their correct pronoun. Um, <laughs> when they came back um, for the. Empress. Zulu on Mars. Empress. Uh, Empress, yes, I know. <laughs> Zulu. The, uh, the Empress of Mars. I was like, yes! Mm-hmm. We must have more Alpha Centauri. I think, it's, I think they're a brilliant, brilliant character. I love them. Um, and I, I, I did then and I do now. I think they're great. I like the Ice Warriors. Um, I think they, you know, they toggle very nicely from, you know, oh, now we're evil again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's excellent. Ice Lord is brilliant. Alan Bennion. Um, it's uh, yeah. I I I I I said it's it's a little. It is actually a little long, and it is a little stagey. Mm-hmm. And the kind of central relationship between the Queen and Sarah Jane is not an effective one. Do you think it would have been uh, more effective if more passionate actress was cast as the Queen? Someone with a yeah, little more emotional actress. range. Yeah, yeah. I will point out how amazingly green John Pertwee is, though. Oh yes, he's 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 at his greenest <laughs> in this one. He's just a symphony in British racing green. Mm-hmm. His and with a lime green, not a lime green, like a like a mint, a mint green ruffled shirt. He looks absolutely fantastic. 
very, very good. It's mm-hmm. one of my. Uh, I mean, the whole of this this season. Well, all of John Pertwee's costumes yeah, are great, yeah. but certainly the last couple of seasons, these costumes are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the purple in Planet of the Daleks, the green here in the Monster of Peladon. It's it's just great. He looks yeah. amazing. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So that's uh, so that that's my take on Monster of Peladon. I think I yeah. It's it's a li- it is actually a little long, mm-hmm. but it's you know there's plenty to enjoy. I think you have to watch it as the way it was meant to be viewed once yes. a week. You cannot uh, mainline Monster of Peladon and either and, and truly get a lot out of it because it does become a little bit repetitive and you're wanting it to get on with it, I, I feel. You're wanting it to cut to the chase or what's the point or the Badger miners are getting a little bit of uh, uh, too much screen time or something. It's just... It's just uh, I think if if you were to watch this one episode a week, it becomes a lot more palatable. Yeah, and of course that's that's what this show was made to do. You're supposed to watch an episode a week. Mm-hmm. Well, there's literally there's no other way to watch it other than to watch an episode a week. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we you know we complain when we have to sit down and watch all six episodes in one go, it's just literally not designed to do that. Yeah. So you know, yeah. um, so you have to give it the benefit of the doubt, really, mm-hmm. in that way. So that. For me, that that's the bottom of Pertwee is the monster of Peladon. I think that's yeah, the one I, I have I, the strongest I, strongest feelings. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't quibble with that. Actually, mm-hmm. I wouldn't quibble. I mean, if we have to if we have to rank it, which I don't think we should be doing, mm-hmm. but if we have to rank it, yes, I would probably put the monster of Peladon um, at the bottom of the least the least goodest of the Pertwees. <laughs> so, which one would you put at the of our of our chosen? Which one would you put at the top? Of these, of these, um, uh, how these many? Nine, nine. These nine, the hated nine. <laughs> um, the best, the best of the nine. But they're all, they're, they're all, they're all great. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. You deserted London. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a spaceship yeah. that it turns out not to be a spaceship. Mike Yates becoming evil. Like environmentalists being the bad mm-hmm. guys when they've just not been the bad guys at the end of the previous season. Yeah, that's fantastic. Martin Jarvis is in it being a thing, and um, you know, uh, Nida turns up again. Not Nida, you know, uh, what's he called? Peter Miles. Peter Miles is in it. Um, Units in it. Benton's in it. Brigadier's in it. The Bessie's in it, and then they have a spec. Got John Bennett. John in there. Bennett in there. He's not playing a Chinaman this time, so that's good. <laughs> Bessie's in it, but then they have the two mobile turns up as well. Even Pat Gorman's in it. Pat Gorman's <laughs> in it. And actually, I was thinking, because I obviously haven't watched these, but I was thinking about what we were going to say. And even the dinosaurs, they're, they're okay. They really mm-hmm. aren't that bad. I mean, it's not Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. obviously, because it's 1974, for God's sake. Give them a break. Right. Well, I think also that Hulk knew that the dinosaurs wouldn't be well realized either. So he kind of steers the story away from the dinosaurs. And yeah. Unfortunately, that the cliffhangers seem to revolve around T-Rex more often than not. Yeah. And that, that, I think, you would want more the reveal, oh, we're inside a spaceship, or oh, we're not yeah. <laughs> inside a spaceship. Yeah. Those are the real cliffhangers. And I think you 
probably could do away with even having the dinosaurs uh, beyond that first couple episodes. Yeah. Once you establish that these uh, scientists in this uh, fallout shelter or this bunker under London are bringing in these monsters from the prehistoric age to clear out London, you don't need to keep them reappearing. But then, but then, if you don't, uh, you lose out episode five, where you have the doctor, you know, with the with the Whomobile and deserted London, going th- underneath Brontosaurus legs, that type of thing. Yeah. So it it's a trade off that I think, especially as a kid viewer watching Invasion of the Dinosaurs, you'd you'd be all over this. As an adult viewer, I focus more on this uh, very complicated story that Hulk has put together. Now, the characters aren't probably his strongest in motivation that he has like in earlier things like in Colony in Space or the Silurians or anything, but then by casting a Jarvis or or a Bennett in their uh, miles, you're getting good actors in there that bring these characters and inhabit these roles and they make them believable and you, you you wonder what's going on between... Butler and uh, Professor Whitaker. Right. You know, they kind of exchange looks and stuff. And then there's a lot of stuff going in there. And you, as an audience, know what's going on. Like when Sarah is going with General Finch. And you know that she's chosen the wrong person to, to start trust. Uh, yeah. blowing to trust, and you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah. And there's just lovely uh, unity. Uh, there's lovely scenes with the unit family dissolving or falling yeah. apart because Yates is turned traitor. But just with Benton inviting the doctor to do the uh, Venusian Aruja or Aikido on him, right? It's a really nice scene, and that I think cements Benton's character. And John Levine really could coast on that scene, uh, you know, for the remaining uh, run that he had, a remaining few stories yeah. in in Who. Yeah. That that really solidifies who Benton was and his trust in the Doctor. Yeah, I mean, when I again, I remember watching this very very clearly as a kid, and mm-hmm. there's the dinosaurs, which you know, I was a kid. I love dinosaurs. Everyone loves dinosaurs, right? And again, you know, have you seen movies from the seventies? Like, unless you're Ray Harryhausen, your dinosaurs are going to look crap. So, and I so mm-hmm. I didn't notice the dinosaurs being bad at all. In fact, in some ways, and as I said, I mean, kind of thinking about it, because they were kind of like the toy dinosaurs that I was playing with at that particular time. If they were even more kind of relatable. But even more than that, I can still remember just being absolutely jaw, jaw-dropping when the spaceship was revealed as not a spaceship. That was just... I mm-hmm. remember to this day how amazing that was and how sad and, like, terrifying it was that people that we trusted, like Yates, um, and we even knew characters like Finch, etc., turned out to be right. the bad guys. And that was just... Mm-hmm. And for kids' drama, you know, I, you know, I was in... You know, I wasn't even 10 at that point. This was strong drama for me at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, again, I... Hold the show, hold this one in, in high regard because of those very, very strong memories I have of it. This is it has a twist. It has the same kind of twist like with the enemy of the world. Yeah, the people in the spaceship are the people in the bunker that are, you know, that have been duped, and they're suckers. <laughs> And there's that. I mean, it's a, they're they're like they're like cultists. They believed in this thing, and they're totally duped. And while they're not evil, the um, uh, the woman, the woman who was in L O L O, Carmen Silvera, oh yeah, 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 right, yeah, who plays Ruth, yeah. 
is willing to kill to have her vision, her very uh, ecological left wing back to basics vision go through. So you don't have a lot of sympathy for these uh, chumps <laughs> on this yeah. uh, foe spaceship, you know, or the guys going, well, I sold my house. It's sort of like, well, yeah. dummy. <laughs> and if, and if you, you know, and if you look, you know, in, in, in hindsight, one thing in hindsight, if you, you know, we now what we know about Matt Kalk, you know, being mm-hmm. trailed by MI5 and, you know, a member of the communist party. I mean, this is a pretty right. trenchant criticism of, left-wing doctrines you know i can certainly see this being taken from his own experiences with i don't know stalinists or whatever that he was having to spend time with in the 70s but then also you know if you look at what was going on in the mid 70s kind of worldwide and you know the cultural revolution and the khmer rouge in cambodia you know the kind of absolutism of kind of left-wing doctrines it's very very uh, it's very, it's, it is sophisticated for a kid's show. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's sophisticated for any, for any kind of show. I don't think we've had anything like it since where we've had this, uh, this twist. Yeah. That we, you know, the, the twist that we had like in Enemy of the World or the twist that we have in Invasion of the Dinosaurs, the closest I can think of where we just go into hyperspace and Stones of Blood and it's not, uh, it's not the same thing. You don't have a, a duped group of people yeah. up in hyperspace. You do have the, you know, kind of the whoa, 180 twist on it, but you don't have this uh, misled uh, group of people that uh, that that the the main baddie is, is controlling. Yeah, and it's all, you know, it's you know, it's 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 sophisticated in the way, you know, the Avengers is sophisticated. You know, I mean, it has an a sort of Avengers field, or, or, or not a you know, kind of Mission Impossible or something like that. You know, where there's a there's like a big fake out which everyone is fooled mm-hmm. by, and then you know our hero character discovers that the fake out that's going on. It's great. It's great. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's great that it's Sarah that discovers this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, she's an investigative journalist. That's just the kind of thing mm-hmm. she should be discovering. You know, it's an interesting. Yeah. Uh, thing that sarah jane has in there because uh mysteriously she changes costume on the spaceship after supposedly three months yeah i wonder if this is uh <laughs> i wonder if this is a fetish of the writers here because this is the first time but not the last time that they have someone change sarah jane when she is supposedly unconscious uh. i think it's a strange thing to have your actress or your lead actor uh, change change costumes off screen without any uh, explanation at all uh, when then later in the 80s as we've mentioned numerous times uh, they're stuck in wardrobe they're this these are their costumes and there's no variation at all yeah and but i mean i i mean i prefer you know that they change costumes and we're not told about it because oh, like yeah. why would you yeah. be told if they i'm gonna go and change my clothes now of course you're gonna change your clothes yeah. now because you've been in them for like a three or four days being chased by dinosaurs you're now on a spaceship you're gonna change your clothes um i'm just gonna also then point out how blue the doctor is in this one in this one he's super blue and that is also amazing he looks great um, and I would have to know more about costuming decisions uh, made mm-hmm. in this season than I actually do. But, you know, just, yeah, now he's blue and then he's green. It's great. With costumes, the nice thing about Pertwee is they're not so much a costume, but a wardrobe. He has a look that he yes. yep. uh, he likes and the TARDIS has a wardrobe and he's dialed into the velvet smoking jacket look and the frilly shirt. And 
yeah. they don't all have to be uh, this uniform. And we, we saw pretty much a uniform with Troughton, but with Pertwee, we don't. We see a wardrobe. And yes. to a lesser extent, we have a wardrobe with Tom Baker's doctor. Yeah. But it's it, it's this season, this season or the, this doctor. This is the high point of the doctor having a style and a wardrobe and a, an aesthetic rather than a uniform. Yeah, and he's super stylish. They're all super stylish. I mean, I'm just looking at some because I'm, you know, um, we're on the internet. I'm looking at some pictures here. <laughs> this Sladen, so I mean, I'm 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 really come. I'm coming from like an eight year old boy perspective here, but so pretty and just nice and mm-hmm. adorable and yeah, just looks absolutely fabulous throughout this entire season. You know, and, yeah. and that's not that's simple. That's like that's just an accurate observation. That's not meant to be kind mm-hmm. of sexist or anything. She just looks wonderful. As does he. As does everybody. It looks it looks yeah. great. It's a well dressed cast. Well, well dressed. Yeah, everyone looks fantastic, and London mm-hmm. looks fantastic as well. You know the whole uh, you know abandoned London thing. The model making in it is fantastic. You know the the model sets and then the shooting. Um, that mm-hmm. they did in the early morning that they weren't really allowed to do. Um, yeah. Well, Patty Russell, her gorilla, yeah, gr- filmmaking, the old gorilla really Patty Russell, good. yeah. So a call out for the costumes. This is Barbara Kidd again. So right. she is really knocking it, uh, really, really hitting it in all on all cylinders here with yeah. these costumes. Definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I think this one is uh, unjustly maligned, and I, I really do think it's the dinosaurs that. The more time that expires or passes since the early 70s, the harder it is for people to uh, look beyond the rubber dinosaurs. And it's a shame because this one really is not a bottom half Doctor Who story in any any sense of the word. Yeah, I mean, I, I one supposes at some point there's going to, you know, if Doctor Who continues being popular and technology increase, continues being technology, whatever... Um, right. that that there may be an attempt to you know add a CGI option because I mean I think I think you can pretty much buy T Rexes off the peg now um, mm-hmm. and kind of you know dump them into your TV show and they just kind of walk around and do stuff. Um, who knows? I don't know. I mean, I I I I used to think that that would be a great idea. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm less keen on that idea now. I I mean, I, I what was I just you'll lose something. Yeah, what was I just watching? Oh yeah, I was watching. Um, uh, the Land That Time Forgot, which is a movie mm-hmm. that I'm very fond of from the mid-70s. It's a Doug McClure, um, well, it's written by Michael Moorcock, but it's from a, from a um, oh God, who's the Tarzan guy? Who wrote Tarzan? Rice Burroughs. Right, it's an Edgar Rice Burroughs story. Anyway, but it has, it has the most foolish, oh, and it's got Anthony, it's got Anthony Ainley in it, which is nice. <laughs> but anyway, it has the most foolish combination of rubber dinosaurs and then actual lizards with like things stuck to them. And it's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. And that's a movie. That's a that's a movie. That's a Hollywood movie. Right. Not Hollywood movie. But it's a movie that they spent lots of money on. So you know, it's 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 fine. It really is fine. They they they're mm-hmm. not real dinosaurs. They didn't get dinosaurs. The problem if you're doing CGI is you're gonna they're gonna get look just as dated in a few years yeah, too. They're gonna look like computer generated dinosaurs stomping around. And- and you that know, is the really... mistake that Lucas, George Lucas, has made with his Star Wars films. Yeah. Rather than admitting that, okay, Star Wars is filmed in 1976, 1977 time frame, and it's going to look dated to a modern audience, but people love the film. And uh, by replacing it, by digitally touching up here and there, it doesn't, it detracts, I think. And yeah. so, yeah, really so perhaps, perhaps we will see a special edition with. Uh, 
uh, CGI dinosaurs, but as with uh, the care that's been taken with the DVD and now Blu range ranges, we will always have the original to look we, at. We certainly thankfully. will. So I've, I've got I've, I've got some questions for you here. So there yeah. are two Daleks. Yeah. On this now, you you're famously not a fan of the Daleks. Well, I'm I'm just not in tune to them as much as you are. Which 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 is your least favorite of the of, of, of these two? Yeah. Where would Ooh. you put which 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 is the one? Or or, or are they both good? Um, I like these both better than say Destiny of the Daleks, for, for example. I think that's there's no contest there. <laughs> in my, in my opinion, yeah, absolutely. Both both have their strengths. Uh, I for Planet of the Daleks, I really like. Uh, I like Bernard Horsfall, so that's a plus for me. Yep. Uh, he comes across as a bit of an ass in Planet of the Daleks, especially to his uh, girlfriend. Like, uh, <laughs> I I can't focus now on my mission because you're here because I'm going to be too busy uh, checking you out or something. Saving saving you from the invisible people <laughs> the, who uh, will be the... trying to copper feel all the time because they're totally invisible. Yep, yep. So that so the character itself, but uh, the actor. Though, yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess he plays Taryn, and uh, Rebecca is Jane Howe's character. So that that little relationship doesn't work very well for me. I I do like the purple Spiridons. It's Spiridons, right? It's pr- the, Spiridons, uh, yeah, Spiridons. Yeah, the invisible thing. Uh, it does have the Terry Nation Plague of the Week type thing that Joe gets, which is yeah, uh, I I don't know. It's uh it's a bit a bit weird. I so those those are some of the those are some of the strengths strengths in it. Oh, Prentice Hancock's in there, and he's you know playing a typical <laughs> character with Weber. So it's Prentice it's, Hancock doing doing yeah. his Prentice Hancock thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's uh it has its pluses and minuses. I like the balloon or the hot air balloon. Hot air balloon is great. The Daleks—they're yeah. trying to laser through the door. It's yeah. a lot more enjoyable for me now that it's been recolored or color yes. restored on it. Yes, yes, uh, yes. I could correct. not. I, I, I think this is a lot more viewable when it's in color than black and white. Now that's not true of all all Doctor Who, but well, it's uh, a very this it's, particular it, one. It's a very colorful show. The jungle is very green. The Doctor is very purple. The Spiridons mm-hmm. are very purple. The Dalek Supreme is very, very golden black. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very, it's a very colorful, it's a very colorful show this one mm-hmm. um so, so with, yeah. with death of the daleks yeah. uh i think sarah jane gets a little bit sidelined in it in favor of uh, uh arnold yarrow's character belal right the, uh, the exelon who he's is great though yeah he's i mean if there ever was a non-human companion he would have made an interesting uh companion this is not an original observation on my part but i th- nope. I, I agree with it i think i think bella would have been a good companion for the doctor and uh provided a different perspective now that's probably not a perspective that uh most viewers would be able to <laughs> cotton on to yeah and they, you know they could have put a hat on him and like a raincoat or something he would have been able to pass <laughs> some glasses he would have been fine if they put a, give him an anorak, he would look just, just like a Doctor Who fan. So that's... <laughs> that, uh, that would be very meta. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've got John Abenary in there early on. who gets uh, killed off. So kind of a waste of Abenary. But I don't know. Probably I would go for Planet in in that I, I, I don't think Liz Slating gets a lot to do with it. And 
I will take the Dudley Simpson over the uh, Carrie Blyton soundtrack incidental uh, music. Yeah, of course you would. Yeah, I mean, it, I, the, I the chanting in the the Latin, it just mm, yeah doesn't doesn't mesh well for me. That's that's true. And the and the the, the last the wheels do totally come off in the last episode, really. Uh, Cliffhangers are a bit poor. Yeah, yeah. I again, both of these, I remember absolutely adoring them as a kid. Oh, I bet. Uh, because they were just so exciting, and there was so much going on, and you know that bit when the Daleks come out of the well, the Daleks come out of spaceships throughout, but you know they come out and they try and attack the, the Doctor, but then their guns don't work. You know, it's just <laughs> it's, it's amazing, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Bell Al is such a was such a friendly alien that was lovely, and I don't know, yeah, I I I I really rate these very, and these are some two of my favorite. Dalek adventures really unfortunately mainly because you know they hit me at a sweet spot as a kid yeah and uh, they're just I think there's just so much to enjoy I would probably take Death of the Daleks over Planet of the Daleks even though mm. the Dalek Supreme is such an amazing he's my lit- he's li- literally my favorite Dalek of all time but anyway um, that's the one with the flashlight I stock with the, with, with the flashlight it's not or a flashlight torch. it's a it's a special Dalek Supreme eye stalk. Torch. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a torch, a torch stalk. Um, because the, uh, again, at the time, even though I was thought the ice canos were really, really exciting and fantastic and mm-hmm. they were all going through tunnels and stuff, I did notice very, very strongly, even as a seven-year-old or however the hell, an eight-year-old, I did notice that those were Lewis Marks. Daleks, not real Daleks. That really irked me at the time, mm-hmm. and it irks me still. Um, and the eye, you know, the, that, that very small scene where they're sitting around the campfire, and the eyes are just obviously just holes poked in a black cloth or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the the, the I was one reason why I'm really sorely tempted to pick up that season ten Blu-ray set is mm-hmm. to look at look at some of those uh, updated uh, updated effects for Planet of the Daleks. <laughs> the, I mean the colorization though of that again is just is just it's like magic. It's mm-hmm. absolutely miraculous mm-hmm. and again really helps the story. I love the kind of doomy and again, you know, as a kid I was big into the whole Eric von Daniken thing, as I think everyone was in the seventies. So I think the whole kind you know that the whole kind of doomy human sacrifice, gloomy, misty quarry planet of death to the daleks and also it just being called death to the daleks seemed to me just so like whoa that's kind of that's totally hardcore like wow we're just gonna kill everything um really kind of resonated with me at the time and i still kind of really enjoy now and i do actually i like as much as i love dudley simpson it is nice to have someone different from time to time Mm -hmm. and um i like carrie carrie blighton yeah i like those fugal horns and whoever's making those chanty sounds yeah i liked i liked his uh soundtrack for silurians much better than this one i like revenge of the cybermen soundtrack much better than this one too this one just doesn't click for me for whatever for whatever right. reason uh right. geologist jill tarrant or thal Rebek? uh jill tarrant every time for me <laughs> she's a she's a very <laughs> 70s geologist uh she seems like she could come out of any a 1970s sci-fi British television program. She's she's got plenty of agency. She's really getting her archaeology on. She's very easy on the eye. She's a lovely redhead. <laughs> um, yeah, she's just 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 right for me. Yep, mm-hmm. she's my choice. So, what would be the number one reason to watch Death of the Daleks? Then number one reason to watch Death of the Daleks would be Exilons attacking and destroying a Dalek. Mm. Yeah, it's a great scene. 
goodness. And that explains how the uh, medieval warriors were able to kill a Dalek scout and absolutely <laughs> split its body three ways and uh, put it across uh, a South Pacific island and uh, absolutely wherever it's, else it's, it was. It's, it's Return of the Jedi ten years early. It's how the Ewoks were able to defeat the Empire <laughs> by just dancing around and throwing sticks. Yeah. If only Ewoks would have chanted in Latin, we would have had a direct direct parallel. Yes, if chanted in Latin and were very keen on human sacrifice, then we would have had a direct parallel. Sadly, we don't. Uh, it's, no, I, I, think the, the, I, I think the planet itself is a really great character. And of course, indeed, the story it is a character because, you know, the city's alive, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the quarry works really well. You don't, you know, the Daleks, they glide you know, rather than Destiny of the Daleks wobble style, you know, they, they've they spent some effort in trying to make them look good right. on rough terrain. And again, again, you can see some of the joins on that, but it's so much better than Destiny. It's so much better than Remembrance and, you know, etc., uh, uh, etc., et when the Daleks wobble around mm-hmm. so much. It is the last Dalek, Dalek story that we have of the classic era too. So it's uh, yes. it's worth worth yeah. watching for that alone to see. Absolutely. To, the Daleks on their own being badass, yeah. And to see why Nation flat out of ideas was encouraged to do something different and why we have Davros. So you yeah. can kind of see... See where where who was which necessitated a, a Davros story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Re- yep. really, really only needed one of them, but uh, that's another. Yes, that's another yes. podcast. That's a, that's, a, that's a whole another whole another podcast. Yeah, and I think you know the, the retreading that we get in both Death to the Daleks and Planet of the Daleks does show you know that that Nation was like oh, I can't think of anything more to do now um, other than do the same things over and over again. So as you say, and then we get uh, then we get Davros. Yeah. Colony in space. This is one that you you like a lot better than I do, I think. Yeah, I think it's great. I think there's a lot to like in Colony in space. I think there's great chemistry between uh, Joe Grant and Doctor Who. Um, I think (laughs) gives her a little kiss. Gives her a little kiss. (laughs) It's nice. You know, I think again the planet looks great. It's really kind of grimy and horrible and dirty and muddy. And it's not it's really sunny. hard to believe that those uh, settlers really are trying to fight over over this planet where you're going. This is a this is quarry world here. Nothing's going to grow. Yeah, this is horrible. <laughs> you need to go back to the earth. And um, you know the 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 colonists uh, they're a bit wet. That's true. But then the IMC miners are horrible. The IMC company people are nasty, nasty people. Um, their spaceships a bit a bit silly looking. But they're definitely evil, and they're all black and shiny, which is the one of the one of the designations of being evil. Mm-hmm. And then the master's in it. The master just turns up. It's like it's the master. Here he is. Well, but they totally give that away at the beginning with the time lords talking about. Well, do you think the master's behind this, or the master's after this doomsday no, weapon? No, he can't be. He can't be. It, it must be somebody <laughs> else. And you know, it has the greatest. And I, you know, I will not stop talking about this. The greatest ever. Uh, set design decision in Doctor Who, all of Doctor Who, the Time Lord <laughs> files are kept in an actual filing cabinet. Uh, <laughs> because how could they have been kept in anything else? I, it's just so... <laughs> I love it. I, every time... And it could I, have been I guess, kept in a deflated football, a la the message for Kai and the mutants. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's a filing cabinet. Let's, let's go to the files. Here they are. They're mm-hmm. files. Um, which is great. And I, yeah, I think I, I, I always... I mean, I don't watch it like... There's so much Doctor Who to watch. I can't watch it all, all the time. Um, whenever I observe it um, on my shelf... 
I get a little thrill of like, ah, that's that's a good one. I will take that down and watch that sometime soon because it's, it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. And the costumes are good. Um, what color is the Doctor in that one? Can't remember. I'm sure he's a, he's an enjoyable color. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, yes, you're you're less keen though. I I I, I sense. Yeah, yeah. So. This is uh, Mac Hulk trying to do uh, the American West, I feel, where you yeah. have the yeah, cowboys, cowboys or the settlers and the ranchers I, or the miners and the rancher, miners and the miners. And the Indians, yes. And then, yeah, you have the natives. And I think Hulk really lets the side down with the treatment of the, uh, the, the native primitives, the population where they basically self-genocide or kill themselves with the implosion of the doomsday weapon to remove uh remove them from the scene for the new new settlers who have only been there for a few months it's it's not a good place for doctor who to be in that's that's that that's a good point um i'll have to say my my view of this show of this particular story is colored by the novelization of course which i i read first, first yeah. because i didn't see it when it was on and i think the novelization fleshes that out better um in that these were people who had doomed themselves by creating this terrible weapon mm-hmm. and it was basically destroying them and sucking the life of their plant out of their planet so the 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 the, the, the kind of wild west uh metaphors that are very very forefronted in the tv show are kind of backburn bernard is that a word backburnered a little bit more in the novelization um and it's more it's the novelization is is a lot more star trek and i always think this is a more kind of this is a this is kind of a star trek style style doctor who as is you know obviously um frontier in space is Mm -hmm. also kind of star trek-y too you know that there's uh you know it's mainly humans doing some things um and there is a there's a kind of wider metaphors going on but yes no i agree and i yes i, I think i think that's valid i think that's valid criticism question for you uh the the actor who plays mary ash helen worth now she coronation street is that her thing or yeah coronation street she was i'd never watched coronation street because it was on the wrong channel and i didn't like soap operas anyway right um, but yeah she's a major major character in coronation street hard to believe uh, watching her in colony in space um it, given her acting ability yes. or <laughs> yeah well it's it is it is coronation street i mean you oh, don't okay. really have to not not a lot of acting required mm-hmm. uh, and i think she may have been happier being a housewife in 1970s Manchester mm-hmm. or Liverpool, where's I think yeah, Coronation Street's in in Manchester, um, than she was being like a space colonist, yeah. a space colonist lady yeah. in the 27th century or whenever this is. So yeah. that, it may be more of her, yeah. okay. more of her, um, better within her wheelhouse. <laughs> she could understand the story a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. And again, who's who's directing this one? What what kind of notes was she being given? I wonder. Well, this is Michael E. Bryant. So, oh, who, so who he's also a good did director. Uh, yeah. Death to the Daleks. Yeah, so he's, he's he knows he knows his way around a knows his way around a quarry. Mm-hmm. Um, not a big fan of the vehicle du jour for this. Oh, those Unimog uh, things. Yeah, they're yeah. a little they're a little seventies looking. Yeah. But this is his first directorial outing as uh, he was a production assistant before this. Uh, doesn't He does an excellent job. So he, I think he uh, executes really well and he was invited back for five more 
five more outings. So it, he obviously pleased the producer Barry Letts indeed because he signed him up for uh, many more. Many more. Yeah. The This kind of spoils you, though, because you kind of, well, I expect Roger Delgado to appear late in any story. So in The Mutants, <laughs> I would have expected uh, Roger Delgado again to show up instead of Peter Howell, who plays the investigator. It seems like the investigator, that is a role for uh, Roger Delgado, but it, it, Sadly, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, sadly it wasn't. But I, I, I mean, there's enough villains knocking around. Um, wouldn't it have been awesome if if um, if Sondergaard had been had been um, uh, Roger Delgado? Like he was like, it's Roger Ooh. Delgado. I'm Ooh. I'm the I'm the fugitive scientist. It's me, the master. Ha ha. Um, yeah, well, that that would be an interesting twist too. Yeah, they could have got um, they could have got Anthony Ainley to play him. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't know. Well, so, instead they have Lobot from uh, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> they do. Uh, is is that who he is? Oh goodness! Right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, John Hollis, who plays uh, Sunderguard, is Lobot from Empire. Is he the is he the bald one? He's the bald one. Lando's uh, right hand man in yeah. Cloud City. Yeah, with the kind of earphones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 With the Walkman. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think I, I think you're right. I think the mutants would have been. In- Improved by having Roger when everything's improved by having Roger mm, Delgado indeed, in it. Indeed, indeed. Um, and I, but I think I think maybe that was too much of a writing challenge for Baker and Martin. Yeah, that, that could that could be. Yeah, I, but I do like the characters that they uh, have. Uh, the probably the biggest uh, knock against this one, I think, in uh, received fan wisdom, is the acting. Rick James, obviously gets to stick in uh, playing cotton that's i think more a a directorial decision rather than the actor itself this yeah, is christopher n- barry who is you know a, a good director but yeah. the script should have been changed to work work better with uh, a caribbean accent and actor yeah and it's funny uh, the, the most recent um doctor who magazine's got a whole bunch of stuff about uh, barry Christopher Barry in it, and uh, it's interesting. He spent a lot of time, by all accounts, overcasting. But yeah, um, it seems to me that possibly, you know, the kind of technical challenges of this of the mutants may have kind of taken his eye off the ball when it came to casting him. Because you know, yeah, I think actual Rick James would have been better. Anyone would have been better than um, Super Freak Rick James would have yeah. been an excellent choice. In this, he would have but... been, been very, very good. Just being super freaky up and down the corridors of the yeah. sky base. Uh, but again, I mean, just it's just one actor. For God's sake, yeah, come on! It is just one. The mutants look cool. The planet looks cool. There's some great special effects. Like it's all, again, it's all Star Trekky. Probably the best actor, guest cast actor that we have is Jeffrey Palmer, who plays the administrator, and Jeffrey he's Palmer's assassinated. Yeah, assassinated at the end of episode one. So yeah, it's kind that's of. True. They should have just yeah maybe they should have maybe maybe Rick he James should have been the marshal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Marshall kind of lets it down a little bit as well, actually. Paul Whitson Jones, uh, yeah, a little over the top. Type. He's a bit too much. They should have had someone slightly with like, slightly more gravitas, like like Jeffrey Palmer. I think if he would have dialed it back a little bit, it's it's pretty obvious that he's Professor Zaroff level crazy in yeah. this. But I think if if you would have played it more straight and less uh, over the top, and yeah. so you had your audience wondering what his long game was until he finally cracks in episode five or episode six. But I mean, it's, it's Baker and Martin. I mean, they're, 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 it's mm-hmm. difficult. I mean, they are 
their their writing is is hard to do mm-hmm. it's interpret it, put to it's screen it's hard to put to screen it really is uh, and well, i mean as, as marvelous as they are and as great as mm-hmm. the shows that they wrote were um th- you can always tell it's them because there's always like everyone's like desperately trying to make it work basically right yeah what I really like about this, and this is a credit to Christopher Barry and, uh, and Barry Letts for allowing this, is the, all the location stuff in the caves. Yeah. And this is a story where I think CSO works really well with the psychedelic radiation caves that Sundegard and the Doctor go in to get that crystal. Yeah. Or where, where Joe has her LSD-esque type trip where she sees Sundegard in the uh, thermal radiation suit and joe just collapses in the cso lsd psychedelic caves so it's it's a really good use of cso for the story what do you make of kai garrick hagan i like him (laughs) i think he's okay what the reason for your question is you don't care for him or well, he takes uh, Joe hostage at the beginning, so we, it's a quite a bit of a turnaround, he, and it's a it's a exercise of where we have this. Uh, <laughs> he's in this meeting, and the administrators already told the marshal that they're handing back the planet to Kai and his people. They're they're uh, abandoning. Uh, Solas because Earth can't make it work anymore. Yeah. And if Kai, Kai would have had the presence or the uh, political savviness just to wait it out. Uh, not sure that... Well, it's hard to say with the Marshal because the Marshal was not going to carry through with this plan at all. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a really great attempt to look at you know the end of Empire, which, of course, you know, is only about 10 to 15 years old at that point in terms of Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great, it's, it's a great attempt to try and do that, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to do. And I think it's hard to do, especially if you're not, if you're so over ambitious as Bob Baker and Dave Martin are. And I think it's hard to do for, you know, in a kid's TV show as well, to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. Especially when everyone's an alien too, you know, uh, I think that's also, so I think, it's a, it's a valiant valiant effort when there's a lot to enjoy um but it is it's 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 low it's low on the Pertwee scale what do you think of the key core concept that baker and martin had of the 500 year seasons yeah i mean that's totally sci-fi you know that's brian aldis that's you know that's everyone it's a that's 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 great sci-fi game of thrones <laughs> game of thrones yep game yeah. of thrones yep it's yeah. great sci-fi it's star trekky that's good mm-hmm. um yeah no it's good like it and I think we have both a love for Claws of Access, the other uh, Baker and Martin Bristol Boy one in the bottom heap here. Yep, wheels come off at the end. Um, the nuclear power station set is not particularly convincing. The axons are awesome. The axon spaceship is um, amazing. Um, mm-hmm. The master is fantastic. You've got the Bill Filer adventures. What's not to like? <laughs> yeah, Paul Grist. I wish Paul Grist, Bill Filer, had returned at least once more to uh, do a unit story. <laughs> yeah, come on, Big Finish. What's what, why is why isn't there the the Bill Filer and and, and Bell Al adventures? <laughs> that would have been an interesting interesting mix. Uh, not sure it yeah. would have worked <laughs> with a side order of D eighty four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think he's. I think I, I'm, Grist is about eighty now, so I'm not sure. I think they would have to recast, to be honest. Um, yeah, they could recast. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not a very convincing American accent. I can do a better accent than that. So they could have anyone <laughs> basically yeah. do that. 
Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I, I think Claws of Axos is maligned by being so low. It should be a lot higher. I got it. I think you cast as Bill Filer, the actor that they had playing Frobisher. Who does Frobisher? Robert Jezik. Robert Jezik. That's it. Cast Robert Jezik as Bill Filer, and you bring Bill Filer into the new Big Finish uh, Pertwee Chronicles. You know, you, 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 Katie Manning still knocking it out of the park. Um, there's mm-hmm. nothing to stop them bringing Bill Filer back. I'm actually sort of surprised that hasn't happened. Yeah. Filer needs a return. Yeah, the return of Filer. We demand <laughs> it. The Metabilis 2 demand the return of Bill Filer. As entitled fans, we should be yes. listened to. <laughs> we should be listened to. What? We, yes, exactly. And you know what? He, sh- he should not be played by a woman. Yeah. <laughs> there. There. No, no sex change it. for Bill Filer. No sex change for Bill Filer. But wasn't yeah. he? Wasn't in he in a Third Doctor adventure? Wasn't he in one of the missing adventure things? Did you read uh, Devil Goblins from Neptune? Uh, no. Did I? Oh, I always get confused by it. That's a Gattis one, isn't it? No, that's Keith Topping and Martin Day. No, I don't think I read that one. Okay. I, 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 I think didn't... he makes a return in there. Does he? I don't. I don't think I like the title. Yeah. Okay. It makes it sound kind of stupid, okay. <laughs> which I'm sure is deliberate, but it put yeah. me off. So reasons to watch Claws of Access, I think, is the relationship or the partnership between Delgado and Pertwee is yep. really, really good in this one. And yep. uh, Delgado kind of ones up the doctor by getting the TARDIS to work. Yep. Yep. All of that. I mean, there's no reason not to watch Claws of Access. I mean, no, we, we it's should... short. It's four episodes. Yeah. We shouldn't yeah. be arguing. We, sh- we shouldn't be saying like. You should watch Claws of Access. You should already have watched it, and you should enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, you're a bad person. <laughs> bad fan. Bad, bad fan. <laughs> it's bad fan. You are you you are bad, and you should feel bad if you don't enjoy the Claws of Access. So yeah. the last story that we should touch on is the the very bottom, the Doctor Who the movie, the Time Monster. And again, if you don't enjoy this. Like, what the hell are you doing watching Doctor Who? I'm sorry. I, I find this inconceivable. Yes, it's a bit funny. There's funny bits in it. But it's, you know, there's funny bits in lots of shows. Um, you know, the stuff that's played for laugh. Maybe it's, you know, we're so serious. You know, why so serious, Doctor Who fans? It, you know, this is a, a silly show about a time-traveling alien. So, you know, when some of it is a little bit hilarious, deliberately so, rather than unintentionally so, then... Just that's good. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. The acting is hit or miss in places, and uh, I think one couple or couples, one pairing of uh, Doctor Ruth and Stewart gets to stick a lot. But I don't think that's a good. I, I think they both do really well in those roles. I yeah. think uh, Wanda Moore and Ian Collier carry off who these two are as basically the master's companions. Yeah. That's an excellent way of describing them. They are the Master's Companions. They need to come back as well. I think that would be an awesome awesome to have them in. And you could just do a, a... You have Companion Chronicles, Companion Tales. Why not have the Master's Companions have a Companion Chronicle? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? Big Finish should totally hire us to come up with good <laughs> bid for Big Finish ideas. Yeah, just pitches. Yeah, we'll just, just do the pitches. We'll just do the pitches. <laughs> Bill Filer, Master Companion Chronicles, all the other stuff that we've come up with as well for them. Come on, we should be on retainer. The <laughs> the other bit I really enjoy is the uh, 
<laughs> the rather awkward sexual chemistry between Ingrid Pitt's Queen Galia and Roger Delgado, the master, and the uh, trying too hard jealousy of uh, Hippias, or I can't remember the character's name, yeah. supposedly her Atlantean boy toy who uh, Aidan Murphy plays, who's just not convincing at all as the Queen's uh, side squeeze at all. But, not uh, at all. I do like the tension that Ingrid Pitt, or the, uh, she likes the uh, power of the master. <laughs> and it's Ingrid Pitt, you know, you know, you can, I, I, maybe I'm, I don't know, what's, what's, what's up with me today? But, you know, I'm, I've already declared my love for Sarah Jane. I've declared my love for the space archaeologist, uh, whose name I currently forget. Um, I'm also now declaring my love for Ingrid, Ingrid Pitt. Ingrid Pitt's in it. <laughs> Ingrid Pitt is a major film star. Ingrid Pitt is absolutely gorgeous. Ingrid Pitt is in all the Hammer movies that are good. She's in um, with Where Eagles Dare, which is also good. Um, she's Ingrid Pitt, for God's sake, mm-hmm. and she's in Doctor Who. Like, if you can't enjoy that, then 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 you uh, then you're not human. Um, and she does a really good job because she's an excellent actor. And again, we were looking for the Ingrid Pitt and Roger Delgado adventures mm. where, you know, she goes off with Roger Delgado because they they totally were doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's well, exactly the implied. Were. Yeah, the characters, the characters were. That's the characters the, were, that is yeah. the imply. And that that sets up the John Sims master having having a wife in the tenant era. It, yeah. You get that something that's been denied, I think, the master uh, until we get the time monster, that, that kind of sexual vibrato of uh, uh-huh. uh, Roger Delgado is a suave, good-looking man that he yeah. he will use his charm and his yeah. evil wiles to get his way. And he uh, ultimately is responsible for the collapse of Atlantean society. The, at the end, uh, the queen, uh, Galia, is uh, surrounded by death and her uh, civilization falling, crumbling around her. It's yeah. It it shows what kind of scoundrel rogue the master truly is. Absolutely, and he's totally Greek in this. You know, he's like Prothethos, Prothetha, 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 Fathkels, or whatever, whatever. Which is Greek for master. Exactly, but you know, he's like every kind of suave Mediterranean creepazoid who was hanging around in the seventies. You know, he's Adnan Khashoggi. He's 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 um he's um he's our Aristotle Onassis is what he is basically. <laughs> Um, you know, he's like a bearded, swarthy Greek man who wrecks everything and has got lots of money and is super sexy and probably has a private jet um, or maybe a TARDIS dis- a disguised, time machine. <laughs> disguised as a rather unconvincing computer to our modern <laughs> eyes. Um, yeah. yeah, he's great. He's excellent. I mean, he's totally got a secret base somewhere, you know, on a Greek island. I know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's good. I, I'm, you know, and again... This one is just fun. I think it's super fun. Yes, it is. And it's... I mean, it's a little cartoony with the really cool device that the doctor uh, I love that device. comes with the teacup and the device. teaspoons and yep. stuff. It, it's it's no more silly than the the thing that Matt Smith's doctor put together in the lodger. It's no more silly than any you know Doctor Who prop, which are all made out of household objects. Um, right. The only difference between you know a usual Doctor Who prop and the one in the Time Monsters, they haven't sprayed it silver. <laughs> it's exactly the same. It's exactly every time I open a bottle of wine, I always think about making that prop. 
disruptor or whatever he calls it. whatever it's called yeah. whatever it does whoever yeah. it who would yeah i always yeah it's, it's brilliant mm-hmm. because again you know what's so great about doctor who is because it it's it's taps into things that you can do in you know your everyday life and mm-hmm. um i didn't see obviously well not obviously i didn't see this one when it was first broadcast but if i had done i would no absolutely without question i would have demanded my parents gave me like a corkscrew and a cork and some forks and a bottle of wine that was empty and i would have made that and you could have done because you're a kid mm-hmm. so it's good it's wonderful and i like it there's some subtle bits of writing in this that uh... I think are overlooked a lot of times by fandom. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Fandom, we're, we're fools. Fandom, fans are fools mm-hmm. um, in general, and especially rank ranking is not a good idea. We shouldn't be ranking these shows. We should be watching and enjoy them. Which I think is why DWM has stopped doing it, and they might return to it, but under under the reign of Chibnall here, that yeah. has been discouraged, and we didn't rate uh, series eleven at all. No. No, which uh, uh, the older the older editors or the former editors of DWM were a bit uh, uh, huffy about, I think. Yeah, they were rankers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, fandom has changed. Uh, I fandom don't changed. think twenty yeah. first century, especially the we're getting towards the middle middle early part of the twenty first century, isn't uh, fandom doesn't do much ranking anymore. No, maybe 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 ranking will return. Maybe, but currently. Currently, we don't we don't rank as much as we used to be as we used to, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is an extra long podcast. Good lord, I need to get my supper on. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, well, thank you for listening to episode one twenty five of the Metabulous Two podcast as we walk through or chat about the lower ranked John Pertwee stories and encourage you to. Check them out. Give them a second look. Give them a second look because they are all actually good. They're not lower ranked at all. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we shouldn't be ranking things anyway, as we just said. So here we go. So, yeah. So if you have been, thanks for listening. And talk to you again soon. Yes. Um, I've been Ben. And I've been David. Um, goodbye. Thank you.